On Sunday mornings, we're studying the names of God. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us. Our text found in the book of Judges. Book of Judges, chapter 6. And we'll begin reading with verse 11. Uh, Judges is the seventh book of the Old Testament. Easy to find as we look at the names of God. Before we get started, as you're turning to that passage, let me just say last week I made a statement that I, I found it hard to believe there was anyone who's a neurosurgeon named Bubba. I'd like to apologize this morning. Yeah, there is one. I'd like to apologize to him, his family, his friends. Anyone named Bubba? Just, I'm sorry. This is brought to you by the cooperative program. Moment, okay. Now I know, because I actually, I said, I, I wonder if anybody knew a, a brain surgeon, a neurosurgeon named Bubba, and I found there was one, so I'm corrected. We're talking about names because names have meaning. Names have uh, possibilities in our world. But in the Bible, the Old Testament, names of God are ex- extremely important. And that's what we looked at last week. God is so majestic. God is so magnificent. Just the word God and Lord doesn't do him justice. And so throughout the Old Testament, we find names of God to give us a picture of who he is, but also to give us a picture of the blessings that he gives to us. And so in the next few weeks, we're looking at these various names in the Old Testament, showing us how incredible our God is. And today we're going to be looking at one of the most uh, special promises that God gives to us. And we find the story in the book of Judges, chapter 6, beginning with verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Now look down at verse 22. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. And then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abazarite. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, in this passage, there's a principle that we need to hold on to. That, Father, sometimes we miss it because it's in 
our language in English. But Father, today let us see it, understand it, and embrace it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Google reported 2,340,000,000 pages, sites related to peace. 2,340,000,000 pages, sites. If you looked up peace, that's what you're going to be looking at. And it's one of the most sought-after concepts in, around the world. People are going to Google asking, what is peace? How can I get peace? Where is peace? 2,340,000,000 sites telling us about peace. Now, I've got great news for you this morning. You don't have to read 2,340,000,000 sites to find about peace because in God's Word, He graciously and repeatedly described how we can have peace. St. Augustine, in his book, The City of God, wrote, Peace is so good, so great, that even in this earthly and mortal life, there is no word we hear with such pleasure, nothing we desire with such zest, or find to be more thoroughly gratifying. He's right. We want peace. Now, for some, they're talking about world peace. For others, they're talking about peace with their families or peace with their neighbors. For others, they're talking about peace in their heart. But whatever the case may be, people want peace. What's interesting, there are different definitions of peace. When you talk to people, they, they look at it differently. For example, some people, they look at peace as a cause. It's all to them. It's just a cause. I, I, I have this cause to, to bring peace to the world. I have this cause to bring peace in the neighborhood or peace wherever it may, I may go. We see a lot of times celebrities will, will get on this cause, begging for peace for the world, but there's no peace in their hearts. For others, they look at peace as a condition. You listen to them, and they're talking about peace, and what they're saying is, if I have the right conditions, then I can have peace. And by the way, if they say that, they mean one of two things. Either take away something from my life, or you add something to my life, and I get peace. So for some, if I just add something, or, or something to take away, I can have peace. And they go around saying, you know, if only I can lose this in my life. If I can only have this change in my world. If only this certain situation would change, I could have peace. There's a problem with that. Someone has said, peace that is so fragile that it can be changed with a letter or a headline is not true peace. Well, some people, they want to add something. They think, if I just add this one item in my world, I have peace. I can have peace if I add maybe a bottle or a drug or a particular person, or if I have a better place to live or a better job. I would have peace if I had more money. Something they add to the list. If I can have this, I can have peace. But that's not true peace, because if it goes away, so does your peace. Here's what we know. Based on the Scripture, we know that peace is not found in the external It's not found in the situational. It's not found in the circumstantial. It's found in the internal. Peace comes from the inside. And one of the names of God is Jehovah Shalom. We see that in verse 24. Gideon builds an altar there to the Lord, and he names it after God, 
The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. Now, there are many passages of Scripture talking about the peace of God. All through the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, talks about the peace of God and the, how God can give us peace. But I want us to focus on this one verse, the only time it is said, Jehovah Shalom. Now, to understand this passage, we have to understand the book. We have to understand the book to understand the passage to understand the concept. So let me give you a little background on the book of Judges. Judges is a book of cycles. That one writer says it's four cycles throughout the book. Cycle of sin, suffering, supplication, and salvation. Here's what it means. The people will sin, then they suffer, then they pray, and then God delivers. That's the pattern. And so in chapter 6, we've seen the cycle again. The Israelites have rebelled against God. They've sinned. It led them to punishment. The Midianites are conquering them. They prayed, and now God is going to deliver them through a man named Gideon. That is the process. You know the story. The people have been led out of Egypt to go to the promised land. In the wilderness, Joshua was the one who led them into the promised land. In the promised land, they had a fight, get rid of all those nations, which is a reminder, you may be in your promised land, but you're still going to have conflict. Then they won the promised land, but they still continue their sin. And because they continue to sin, you have chaos and turmoil. And that's the pattern we see in the book of Judges. Disobedience disrupts peace. Obedience brings peace. So whenever we are disobedient to God, we're going to lose our peace. So now, in chapter 6, the Midianites, or the enemies of God... God allowed them to come in to take the Israelites captive, conquer them. Verse 4 and 5 of chapter 6 tells us there are so many Midianites, the Israelites thought they couldn't do anything, had no peace because of it. Verse 6, in case we missed it, God says, I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who allowed the Midianites to come in. And then in verse 11, we find Gideon. It says in verse 11, Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Mennonites. He's in a wine press threshing wheat. Now, I'm going to go on a limb here. Most of you don't thresh wheat. And I was wrong about Bubba, too, so you can tell me after the, after the service. You don't thresh wheat in a, in a wine press, you do it on a mountain. You do it where there's wind. Here is Gideon threshing grain by hand, which tells us there's very little grain to work with. So what do we know? It tells us a lot about Gideon. Number one, it tells us he was in poverty. Again, he's hiding away. He doesn't have much wheat, much grain. It tells us he is in poverty. Number two, it tells us he was being persecuted. He's hiding in the wine press. He wasn't out in the open. Why? If he's out in the open, the Mennonites would find him. So he's being persecuted. He's living in poverty. He's being persecuted. Third thing it tells us, he's powerless. He didn't have the power in his own self to defeat the enemy. He's hiding from the enemy. In that setting, God comes to him and says to him, Gideon, you're my warrior. And Gideon's going, Excuse me? Look what he says in verse 13. 
after God tells him, you're my warrior, Gideon says, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are his miracles which our father told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. Do you hear what he's saying? He has two questions of God. The first question is this, okay, God, where have you been? Why is this happening to us? We're your people. Why are the Midianites in charge? Second question, okay, God, where's my miracle? I mean, we heard about those miracles in the wilderness. We heard about all those miracles you, you did, but we don't see any miracles now. Where are the miracles? Don't we ask those same questions? When something happens, don't we ask the same question? God, where are you? God, why is this happening to me? I don't see you, God. I don't see you in this situation. Where are you? Where's my miracle, God? I, I hear about other people having miracles. I need a miracle. God, I don't see your miracles here. Where are you? Have you abandoned me? What Gideon is saying, all of us will go through. And so God says in verse 14, he said, now, I want you to go in your strength. In other words, Gideon, I want you to go in your power and your ability, which I've given to you so that you can win the battle. Verse 17, Gideon's not, not yet prepared. He, he's thinking, wait a minute, how do I know it's you? And so Gideon says, I need a miracle from you. I need to know that it's you. And, and God does a miracle for him. With that in mind, verse 22 when Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. In verse 24, then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. God says, I'm going to give you peace, Gideon. Do you know when we, when we really need peace? One writer says it this way. Three times we need peace the most. He says, number one, we need peace when circumstances are uncontrollable. You see, we don't have control over life. We don't have control over anything. And sometimes when we lose control, we need peace. We want that job, and we don't get that job. We want to get married at a certain time. We don't get married at a certain time. We don't have a child at a certain time. We don't have a child at a certain time. And so we look at life. We, we can't control anything. When life is uncontrollable, we need peace. Life is uncontrollable. Secondly, the writer says we need peace when people are unchangeable. You know, we want a, people to act the way we want them to act. We want to change people, but we can't change people. Oh, it may be your boss, it may be your coworker, it may be your employee, it may be your family, it may be your enemies. I don't know. But we want people to change, and they don't change because they don't change. We need peace. Third, he says. We need peace when problems are unexplainable. Hey, life's not fair. We know that. Jesus said you have trials and tribulation in this world. We don't know why things happen. Because of that, we get anxious and nervous and stressed out. And people want to explain, oh, God, if you just tell me why, that I can handle it. But life doesn't happen that way. Life is unexplainable. And so here's Gideon. He, all those three things are happening. The Mennonites were in charge, and Israelite had no control. The Mennonites were not going to change. They were the enemy. 
The Mennonites being in charge made no sense because we're the people of God. And now here comes God to Gideon and saying, in this situation, Gideon, I'm going to give you peace. Even though your world seems to be falling apart, I'm going to give you peace. So this morning, I want to look at three things regarding Jehovah Shalom. First, the meaning of Jehovah Shalom. The meaning of Jehovah Shalom. The word shalom is one of the most beautiful words in the Hebrew language. It's one of the most difficult words to translate because it has so much meaning, so many meanings to it. So shalom means harmony, means whole, means complete, means well-being, means having order. It means that everything is connected in your world. 170 times in the Old Testament, it is used for peace. Scripture says shalom is being whole in the presence of God, being connected to God. And because you're connected and whole in God's presence, you have peace. When you have the presence of God in your life, that's all you need to have peace. If you have the presence of God, you don't have to add add anything else to it. Didn't Jesus say that? Jesus said in John 16, these things I have spoken to you so that you may have peace. In the world you have trials and tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. You see, there is a difference between the world falling apart and you falling apart. The world can fall apart, but you don't have to. We cannot control the world. We we have no control over anything, but Christ is our strength because of shalom. So even today, when, when someone says shalom to a friend, they're not saying, may you have no conflict. No, what they're saying is, may you have the presence and peace of God in your life. And to have that, that means you have his righteousness. What it means is this. It is impossible to have peace apart from Jesus. You can't have it. To have peace, you've got to be connected to Jehovah Shalom. It's impossible to have peace apart from Christ. Second, the miracle of Jehovah Shalom. The miracle of Jehovah Shalom. In our passage, there is a miracle here, and we just overlook it. Here's Gideon. He's in the wine press. God comes to him. He tells Gideon, you're going to be the leader. Gideon builds an altar and says, Jehovah Shalom. Gideon has the peace of God. Did you notice something? Nothing changed externally. Gideon built the altar, Jehovah Shalom, and he worshiped. But Gideon is still in poverty. Gideon is still being persecuted. Gideon is still powerless in his own power. Nothing has changed externally, but he has peace. That is the miracle of God. That is the miracle of the peace of God. Your world doesn't have to change around you. It's what's happening within you. God doesn't have to change your situation at all for you to have peace. What you need to change is your perspective. That's what Gideon did. 
He was looking through his eyes, and now he's looking through God's eyes, and now he has peace. That is the peace of God. We can have peace when we have this perspective, when we recognize and realize and even verbalize that God is with us. That's the miracle. I'm amazed by this story. Gideon's at peace, but nothing's changed. I read a story about an a airline flight. And they hit a turbulence, and they were going up and down. It was really bad, and people are screaming, and, and people are scared. And, and this one little boy, though, was coloring. And he was drawing the blue sky, the green grass, a tree, and drawing a picture of himself playing. And everybody's scared, and they're looking at this boy, and he's just by himself coloring. And a lady says, son... Are you not scared? No. Kept coloring. Why are you not scared? My dad's the pilot. That's the perspective. When you know your Heavenly Father is the pilot, when you know your Heavenly Father is there, it changes your perspective. We have the presence of God, and we trust Him so that no matter what happens to us externally, we don't lose our peace. Third, what's the method of receiving this peace from Jehovah Shalom? What's the method of, the method of receiving this peace from Jehovah Shalom? Let me read to you the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 5 through 7. Romans 8, 5 through 7. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind of the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you hear what Paul's saying? Paul says it's up to us to set our minds. Not on the flesh, that's the world, that's human perspective, that's a carnal mind. He said, don't set your mind on the flesh. Set your mind on the spirit, God's point of view. When you set your mind on God's point of view, you get peace. Your thoughts destroy your peace. Because if your thoughts are not on God, it's somewhere else, you'll lose your peace. I mean, here's Gideon. He hasn't fought the Mennonites. He hasn't solved a problem. He hasn't dealt with any of the issues, but he has peace. Why? Because he sees it through God's perspective. He didn't worship God because God changed the situation. He worshiped because God was with him in the situation. Gideon looked at the situation out there. That's of the world. That's of the flesh. But I'm focusing on the spiritual. And so here's Paul saying, you set your mind on the world, you're going to receive death and suffering. You set your mind on the Spirit, you'll have life and you'll have peace. Now, how do you do this? You got to work at it at first. Let me be honest. You got to work at it. Then it becomes second nature. It's kind of like setting your alarm clock or setting your iPhone to wake up in the morning. You know, at the beginning, you got to set it and set it. You know, you, you know what happens after five years of getting up at the same time every morning? You get up before the alarm clock goes off. Why? Because you have set it externally for so long, internally you know what time it is. Spiritually, 
externally, you got to keep thinking this and focus on this and focus on this. And then all of a sudden, it starts becoming second nature and you start thinking it internally. And so God will give you peace. Now, what kind of peace? Well, first of all, he gives you the upward peace with God. It starts there because Jesus died on the cross, we can have peace with God. And the only way to get that is through Jesus Christ. Once you have the peace with God, now is inward peace. That's with yourself. You'll never have peace with yourself until you have peace with God. I'm amazed that people say, well, I got to get right first and then go to God. That will never work. But listen, if you get right without God, you don't need God. You get right with God, now you get right with yourself. And then once you get that, now it's peace outward. It's because now you have peace with others. You got to have peace with God to have peace with yourself. And you got to have peace with yourself before you have peace with others. You see, if you're not having peace with others, I can tell you your problem, you don't have peace with yourself. If you're at war and conflict with others, it's because there's something within you, you're at war with yourself. And God says, I will give you this peace if you set your mind to the spirit world. I don't know if you've ever been to an orchestra concert. You come in, and at the beginning, they're warming up, and they're all playing their own thing. They're playing their scales, and it sounds terrible. I mean, you're hoping it's going to sound better in a few moments because they're all playing these notes and, and squeaking and all this, and oh, this is killing us. It's disharmony. It's discord. They're all doing their own thing. They're getting ready for them. And then the conductor comes up, and he takes his wand, and he taps it, and they stop, and he raises his wand, and they begin to play. But now, it's in harmony. There's music. Before, it was discord. Everybody's doing their own thing. But now, the conductor brings harmony. What happened? The conductor showed up. He had to show up to bring harmony. He had to bring, had to come to get rid of the discord. In your life, to bring harmony in your life, you need the conductor. You need the person to, to calm you down and direct your life. And his name is Jesus. And with Jesus, you can have peace. Will you do that this morning? Will you give your life to Christ by simply saying, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. And Lord, I believe that Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago for my sins. was buried on the third day arose. And Lord, I confess, I give you everything because you're the Lord God of all. Those of you online, if you would give your life to Christ today, just text us the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call. But for those of you who are here this morning, as we begin singing, if you want to give your life to Christ, or if you have given your life to Christ, but you've never joined a church and never been baptized, will you come forward, talk to me or one of the ministers? Peace is available to you, and it's a gift. Would you stand and bow your heads? Our Father in heaven, there is discord in our world. There's discord in our hearts. But, Father, we need a conductor. 
We need the one in charge, the one in control. We need you. Father, bring us peace this day. And Father, I know you may not change situations. That's okay. But you give us something better. You give us peace daily. And Father, for that person here, that person online who's looking for peace, let them realize apart from Christ, they're never going to have it. Let them come to you, Father. Let them come to your cross and ask forgiveness. Father, for those believers, let us be reminded daily to set our minds on the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.